0: we give him praise that he has paid our ransom, that he has received in himself the wages of our sin, which is death, that he took that upon himself, all of that upon himself so that we could have life, so that we could be free, so that we could look forward to what he's preparing for us in his glory. Praise his name. Let's look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, as we continue through uh, this brief letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, in response to uh, a difficulty that the Thessalonian church was having. Not only were they facing a lot of persecution, which we've talked about, they were also dealing with some false teaching. And Paul was writing to correct them um, and to correct that teaching for them. And this second chapter uh, gets into a little bit of that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he referred to Jesus coming in chapter 1 earlier. And if you haven't um, been with us and haven't been following along in this study, you can look online and and catch up on the messages on 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. But concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposedly to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction." He opposes and exalts himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped and even sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of lawlessness, or excuse me, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders. And in every sort of evil, that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. There was some confusion in Thessalonica, in the, in the church in Thessalonica. Um, earlier, after Paul had written, or had started the church there and talked to them about the return of the Lord, some of the early believers in Thessalonica were so certain that Jesus' coming was going to be so soon that they quit their jobs and just waited. And that didn't work out so well for them uh, because as they waited their needs continued, and the rest of the church who was still working had to start taking care of these who, by faith, had quit their jobs, trusting the Lord Jesus was going to return. And so Paul corrected that, that um, situation uh, with them in the first letter that he wrote and a little bit in the second letter. But in this case now, they're being confused by somebody coming along and saying, hey, we've got this letter from Paul. And he said that the day of the Lord is already here. It's already come. And and understand this. The day of the Lord is a a phrase throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, that refers to a period of time. It isn't just one day. It's It's that time period between the coming back of the Lord Jesus to receive his children unto himself and his Coming back after the great tribulation of that seven year span to defeat the Antichrist that's described here in the second chapter of, of Second Thessalonians, and to then usher in the the thousand year reign that he's gonna have based in Jerusalem over the entire world. That's known as the, the kingdom of God or the millennial kingdom, millennial being thousand. So that's, the, that's the, the day of the Lord is the beginning of that, is that seven-year period that starts after Jesus comes to take his church um, home with him. Now, some of the Thessalonians were easily persuaded that the day of the Lord had already begun because they were being so severely persecuted they were facing such tribulation that they thought, it makes sense. We're going through the great tribulation right now. How can it get any worse than it's going for us right now? The problem was, it wasn't the great tribulation. The problem was, the things that were happening at that time period weren't as they were they're going to happen. Tribulations and persecutions are happening all around the world, and they have been ever since the Lord Jesus um, ascended. The the church has been going through difficulties. In some cases, grave difficulties. The Thessalonians were examples of that. Some of you have gone through some grave difficulties, and others in the world have gone through enormous persecutions, terrible persecutions, but not the type of scale that's going to happen in the day of the Lord when, when the great tribulation takes place. Under the judgment of God, because of the work of this antichrist that's described here in Second Thessalonians chapter two, these things aren't hap- weren't happening then; they're not happening now. Oh, things are bad, and there are certain places around the world where where things are just terrible. And we see again where Israel is in the you know is in the center of the news again, and we should expect that because until the coming of the Lord Jesus and the day of the Lord, you know, starts to be revealed the things are going to be are going to be focused on israel it's always going to be the case because that's where the action is going to be centered but the day of the lord won't start until the lord jesus comes back and takes his children with him that is the uh, that is the 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 theme really of this section of second thessalonians He's reminded them to, to think back to what he's already said to them, what he's already taught them. And we can do that this morning just by flipping back a couple of pages in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 4. Look with me to verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, where he clearly explains these things. Look what he says. Their concern uh, was a little different. Some of, the, some of the Thessalonians were concerned about the people that were dying before Jesus you know, came back because they were really expecting him to come back at any moment. Because the promise is that he's coming back soon. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And so he says this in 1 Thessalonians four thirteen, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So what he's saying here anybody who who dies before Jesus returns is going to immediately be in the presence of the Lord. Immediately. No no downtime, no purgatory, no, no no suffering session or something to to you know help wear off the, the things of the world. No, they're immediately going to be taken into the presence of the Lord. And when the Lord Jesus returns, he is going to return with them. They're going to be with him. And if we pass away before he returns, then we also will return with him to, to for him to gather up his church that's still alive. He, he continues. He says, according to the Lord's own word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And he uses that again as a a euphemism for dying. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. So it's going to be a real obvious thing here. You get the point there. There's going to be some noise associated with this return, some glorious noise. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and the sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And we'll stop there. The Lord Jesus is going to come and, and, and institute this period of time known as the day of the Lord like a thief in the night. Not, not something that can then, that can be predicted carefully. Exactly. All the signs that are that are revealed in Scripture about the coming of the Lord, all of those things have been fulfilled. He can come. At any time according to the, according to the scripture, and the apostle Paul is reminding the Thessalonians here in chapter two of Second Thessalonians that this time period has not happened yet, and he wants them to continue to live their lives in readiness for that event to take place. he doesn't want them to fall prey to the, this false idea that the tribulation is gonna, is going to happen first. And the day of the Lord is, in the, and that the coming of the Lord is going to be at the end of that. Now, certainly the Lord is going to, is going to come back at the end of that and finish this, this, this time period of the world off. Now, he's not going to destroy the world at that time because the, the, the kingdom, the thousand year reign, is going to happen on this earth as it is. It's not until the end of that thousand year reign. When the, when the final judgment of the earth and its inhabitants takes place and he creates a new heaven and earth, that's where we're going to live for, for eternity, on the new earth that he creates. But until that time period, he wants us to live our lives in readiness for his return. He wants us to be thinking about the fact that he can come back at any moment. Like a thief comes in the night, and in, 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 in that thief is going to come, in a sense, and judge wickedness with his return. The first judgment's going to happen when he takes the church out of the world. That's going to be a severe judgment on this world. That's going ent- to that, usher in this, this time period of tribulation that the world has never seen before, and that's going to be judgment on the people who aren't, who aren't believers. Now, people are still going to be coming to faith in Christ during that seven-year period. There are going to be people who have heard messages like this one this morning and and continue to reject Jesus. And then all of a sudden the church is going to be gone. And I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about the church of God. I'm talking about the people of God. All of a sudden they're going to be gone. And they're going to remember messages like this one. And they're going to say, that's what the Bible was talking about. That's what that guy was talking about. I thought it sounded crazy. But after it happens, it's not going to sound so crazy anymore. And some of those people are still going to put their faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the nation of Israel is going to have an awakening and a revival during that time period like they've never seen before. Thousands of Jewish people are going to receive Christ during that time period, according to the scripture. But the thing that's holding back all of these things from taking place before the Lord Jesus takes his church home is the Holy spirit living through his church in the world right now. When he takes us, when he takes us out of the world, a lot of restraint that's, that's, that's happening right now. And some people think I don't see any restraint, in the, restraint in this world right now. Well, you know something? There is a lot. We're examples of it right now. Do you see what we're doing right now? We, we, we can't be thankful enough for what we're doing right now because we've always had this. But the, the privilege that we have in this world right now to get together in the name of Jesus Christ and worship him is an amazing thing. And it's a picture of the restraint that's going on in the world right now, holding evil back. And when he takes us out, That restraint that he's using us for, which which is the Holy Spirit in us, that's the He that's restraining. It's the Holy Spirit living in us when when that Holy Spirit is taken out with us in that sense. Now it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't still going to be present in some respect, because He's God. He's omnipresent. He's always everywhere. And he will be at work in people's lives, drawing them to faith in Christ during that seven-year that seven period, during the day of the Lord. He will be drawing people to faith. They will, be, they will be saved. They're going to go through some awful times. Christians are going through awful times now, but nothing like they will go through during those days. But he will, he will remain constant in their lives as he is in ours, and he'll bring them through. And they will glorify him, and some of them will be martyrs, and they will even have some special places uh, in the kingdom that, that's to follow uh, as martyrs. It's going to be a tough time, but those of us who know him now will be taken out, and when he takes us out, in that sense, the Holy Spirit is also going to be reduced in 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 some regard in terms of his restraining of the evil in this world right now. We're thankful we don't recognize it a lot but we're thankful for the way that the holy spirit through us his church is is working to restrain evil so that people can continue to come to faith in christ during these days and we should be thankful even though we're even though we're very concerned about the direction of things in our country right now we should remain thankful even as we pray for, for that direction to be reversed, we should remain thankful for the, for the freedoms, for the rights that we have, even like we're, like we're exercising this morning, and continue to live our lives for Christ in this dark world, expecting that any day, and people say, wait a minute now, you're saying any day? Haven't they been saying any day ever since first century Thessalonica? And, and that's been over 2,000 years ago. Peter um, addressed that issue. I won't won't read it right now, but but you can turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 where Peter said, a lot of people these days are saying, when's he coming back? You've been saying that for a long time and everything just keeps on happening just as it always has. He said, I want you to know, the Lord is not slow as people think of slowness. Because we we think, hey, 2,000 years, that's a long time. He says, with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Think about that. You know where that, you know where that puts us on, on the scale of things? Day three. The beginning of day three. That's not that long of a time period. And that's what he's talking about. And, then he go, and Peter goes on and says, he's being patient with you. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish but everybody to come to faith, to come to repentance and put their trust in Jesus. That's what he's waiting on. He knows when the last person who's going to receive him is going to receive him. He knows that. And when that takes place, and we don't know, again, we don't know when that is. And Jesus was very clear, and the Apostle Paul reiterates what Jesus said. We're not going to be making these predictions. We're not going to be getting caught up in this, in this idea of, okay, now this this and this has happened in Israel. Okay, it's got to happen now any time you know, this week. No, that's the way it's been for 2,000 years. Everything is, is how it needs to be. And as soon as the church is taken out, things are going to go so fast in decline and in judgment and in craziness and in tribulation. We're going to be very, very glad... That we've, been, that we've been taken out of. But we're also going to see the Lord do great things even through those difficult times as he's doing them now in our times. I was encouraged this morning as we were praising God at the beginning of the service when Ken Hayes thanked God for the challenges that give him an opportunity to see God deliver him from them and see, him, and see God get him through them. That's going to happen during the great tribulation for those who put their trust in Christ. He's going to get them through. He's going to bring them through it's going to be difficult it's going to be hard but he's going to bring them through but we who are alive now like the Thessalonians who are alive in this time period before the return of Jesus we need to live our lives in readiness in recognition that he can come to take his church at any time we need to be thinking about that we need to be singing about that like we were this morning we need to be recognizing that now this is one of the doctrines that makes people in the world that we're witnessing to, makes them scratch their head a little bit and say, I don't know about that. They're going to say that. They're going to think that. But they, they think and say the same thing about the Lord Jesus' first coming. They, they, they think and say that same thing about his virgin birth in Bethlehem. They think and say the, the same thing about his miraculous life, the miracles that he performed throughout his life. They think, I don't know about that. They think the same thing about his death on the cross and the fact that it was not for crimes that he committed under Roman law, but it was for our sins that he was crucified. They think, I don't know about that. They think and say the same thing about his resurrection, that he rose again. Bodily from the grave and lived again, and people could talk to him and people could interact with him. Even Thomas could actually touch him and the scars in his hands and put his hand in, and put his own hand in, in the Lord Jesus' side where where he was pierced. They think, ah, uh, I don't know about that. When I mentioned the ascension to the children this morning, they think, ah, uh, I don't know about that. See, they've been saying that about everything important about Jesus. So don't let the fact that they think that his return sounds goofy, don't let that discourage you. Because it's not. It falls right in line with everything that his word tells us. Now, there has been in Thessalonica, and since then there has been confusion about, about the, the timing of things in the return of the Lord Jesus there are some who believe, as these Thessalonians were believing, that his return for his church isn't going to be till the end of the tribulation. I think this passage is, is one of the best to help us see that it, it takes place before. But there, there are sound Christian b- believers in the Bible, in the word of God, who believe that he's going to come after the tribulation. There are some that believe he's going to come in the middle of the tribulation. And the names for these things are pre-tribulation rapture, which is what I've just been explaining to you and what I believe. There are some that are called mid-tribulation rapture, who believe he's coming in the middle. Some post-tribulation, he comes at the end. Again, we don't have all the answers clearly spelled out, but I think this is one of the clearest sections that helps us realize that the, 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 the coming back of Jesus to rapture his church, to take us home, is going to take place at the beginning of the day of the Lord and not at the end of it. And that being said, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. First of all, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be ready. You need to to recognize that this is actually going to take place. It could very well happen in our lifetime. Again, A lot of people have thought that for a long time, but that doesn't mean God's slow. Remember, he's patient. And part of his patience is for you. And I would encourage you this morning, recognizing that Jesus did come virgin-born, uniquely the Son of God, uniquely fully God, fully man, Recognizing that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again victorious. Recognizing these things, that he did this for you. I would encourage you, put your trust in him today. Don't let what the world has said about him stop you. Remember, those who have told us these things from the scripture, even the apostle Paul, they knew him personally. They saw him personally resurrected from the dead. They gave their lives for that truth. Every one of them. And they've given us this great gift of his word, which is, which is carefully preserved for us, carefully translated in so many languages, including English, that we can have this truth in a rational format that we can trust that not only did he live up and do the things that he said he did in the past, he's going to do the things that he's promised in the future. You need to take heed and you need to believe that. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, said, I urge you, I urge you be reconciled to God. I and can't, I can't say it any more firmly than that. I can't, I can't say it any more desperately than that. I urge you, in light of Christ's first coming, in light of his second coming, in light of the work that he's done for you, I urge you, be reconciled to God. Become a friend of God. And that happens through faith in Jesus Christ. And those of you who already know Christ, which is many of us here this morning, And online as well. Those of us who know Christ, let's also take heed to this promise that Jesus is coming soon. And live our lives in light of that. Investing our lives, our time, our energy, our resources in things that matter. We talked about that last week as we were wrapping up chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians. Let's live our lives to bear fruit that will last forever. Let's keep that in mind, that when he comes, he will will be rejoicing in the fact that we are doing the very things that he called us to do. Living our lives for things that last forever. Living our lives for his glory. Not being caught up in this world not being caught up in the temporary pleasures of this world, not being caught up in the temporary um, priorities of this world, but remembering that we live for eternity and that this life, certainly we can die at any time. We've, we all know that because we have so many uh, friends and family members who have died and so many so suddenly. We know that can happen anytime. any but we also live now in light of the fact that he could return at any time. So let's be found when he returns. Let's be found serving him. Let's be, let's be found doing the things that he wants us to do. I remember when I was explaining this to Sam, our son, when he was young, he said, dad, I don't think I should go to school anymore. I don't want to be there when he comes back. He, he, Sam was great about figuring things out and It it almost always related to school, too, it it seems like. We need to be careful. We need to be thinking that way. We need to be doing the things that we want to be doing when he returns. And remember, whether he returns today or tomorrow or not, he's also aware of the things that we're doing. He's not only going to be aware of what we're doing when he returns. He's aware all the time. And so let's live our lives In light of that, let's be, as Gray mentioned this morning in praise, let's be the body of Christ that he wants us to be. Serving, praying, loving each other in such a way that others around us will see see what, what he's done in us and know that we're his disciples by our love for each other. That they will see the good works that we're doing for one another and for those in our community. That they'll they'll see those good works and that they themselves, as Jesus said it was going to happen, that they themselves will bring him glory because they also will put their trust in Christ. Let's live our lives in light of these truths, in light of the fact that Jesus, as we sang, as John so clearly sang this morning, Jesus is coming soon. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning. For the fact, even though it's future, because it's in your word, it's fact, that Jesus is coming back just as he left through the clouds. We know, Father, there are many scoffers, many mockers, and we know that's going to get worse. But we thank you that we don't answer to them. We thank you that we answer to you. And so we give you thanks for letting us know. Thank you for for doing it in such a way that we don't know the exact moment, the exact time. That we can't place a date on it. So that we will live in light of it. In everything that we do. And Father, as the Apostle John and many others in the first century prayed, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. We we long to be united with you. We long for that kingdom in which Jesus, you're going to rule on this earth from Jerusalem. We long for that day to see what a good government looks like. Oh, we're thankful for the good parts of ours, but we're looking forward to that day when it's going to be all good. Then, Father, we're especially looking forward to even after that thousand-year reign of Jesus on this earth. We're, We're looking forward to the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens. We can't imagine something being more beautiful than this world that we live in until we start looking and thinking about the sinfulness of it and the fallenness of it. We are looking forward to that unspoiled one that you're going to make and that we're going to enjoy in your presence and in your service forever. Thank you for all these things. And we pray that you'd help us to live in light of it. And father, for those who still haven't put their trust in Jesus, give them the courage and the faith, the urgency to do it today. It's in his name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.